This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Lest we forget, Remembrance Day here in Canada, Veterans Day in the U.S., to all of those who serve, past or present, men and women, thank you for my freedom. I am forever grateful. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show. This is Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse and sexual health educator. I'm also a nurse continence advisor if your bladder leaks. It is my aim to provide you with evidence-based information about health and relationships to help you live the best life possible. This show does not, however, replace a visit to your doctor for whatever ails you. We do go everywhere on this show, even beneath the sheets, so please put the kids to bed. I'd like to give a shout-out to my Calgary listeners. I gave a talk this week in Calgary, had a little spin on the Joe McFarland show on CHQR in Calgary. He's getting married soon, and we discussed some of those things you don't really expect when you're all excited about getting married. Good evening, Tim. How are you? And thank you so much for filling in tonight. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's so great to... Have you here? Um, unfortunately, the nurse is still sick. I believe I have a man cold. I, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I have a man cold. I have been moaning for all the wrong reasons, and that is pretty diagnostic. I feel <laughs> anyway, for you. I can imagine. Yes, you know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, my colds aren't necessarily bad. They just uh, linger forever. Mine are brutal, and they linger. I mean, every I've tried everything, Neocitran, um, the, uh, tea to the nth degree, um, uh, NyQuil, that's a good one. I think I'm addicted to antihistamines and all that sort of thing. But antibiotics as well, because that, there's actually some evidence to show that your cold will, although it won't treat your viral, viral cold, your, your, um, it may last one less day. And since I appreciate every single day, I decided to go for it and went on the clarithromycin. Um, we're going to be talking about lots tonight on the program. Uh, compassion fatigue. That's something that strikes healthcare professionals and also first responders. And given what's going on in the world all over, our hearts go out to the folks down in California uh, who not only suffered um, with gun violence once again, tired of hearing about that, but also are plagued by fires. Also chiropractor crackdowns. Going to uh, talk about what your chiropractor can claim will will work and what won't. Also, uh, new technology for prostate cancer detection, and we have that first device in Calgary, Alberta, which is fantastic. Also, leaky bladders in the ladies, and uh, that strikes men too, so uh, listen up, guys. Uh, but you might really want to listen to uh, turn-ons <laughs> at the second hour of the show. We'll uh, dive a little deeper into the sheets, and uh, so we're going to talk about the 20 top turn-ons for men and women, and it may just be their baby mama's body. That survey will surprise you, but we are going to be talking about men tonight. Um, Dan Doty of Every Man joins me. Um, he is the co-founder of every man. So I'll be looking forward to chatting with him shortly. And who said the government doesn't belong in the bedrooms of Canadians? MP Tony Clement never heard that. He was very busy on social media and maybe had a bit of a fetish for brown-haired women, sending illicit photos of himself to these women over social media. And had a, he had a little incessant desire to uh, hit like a lot of likes. Sometimes I get that. On, I'm on social media and sometimes I'll get, you know, Joe Blow, you know, liked every single one of your photos and, you know, delete, unfriend, delink. 
Um, so I'm, I did have a little chat with Eric Chapman, who was filling in on the shift for Drex, who was also sick. I felt terribly guilty. I felt like I gave my illness to, <laughs> to Drex. <laughs> anyway, I hope he's, I think he's better tonight. He's coming back on the show. Um, and why Tony Clement should perhaps take a medical leave and not resign. What if you ran out of formula for your baby and you were on a plane? What would you do? Would you let the flight attendant feed your baby? That's exactly what happened this week. Um, and you know what? It's the ultimate sisterhood. And But there are still risks, of course, um, to, uh, to doing that. But it was a lovely thing to do, and you don't want um, the baby in that case uh, to starve in the middle of over top of Minnesota or or something. But um, so there's lots to talk about on the show tonight. I'm also going to review your emails. Thank you so much for all of your emails. And if you want to email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. That's nursetalk at hotmail.com. You can also call me um, if you have any questions at all. I also want to mention the number to call is 1 877 399 9898. That's 1 877 399 9898. And it's a free call and the lines are open. I also want to mention the little blue wave we had in the U.S. this week, uh, where women rose up in the U.S. midterm elections and came out in droves to vote, and vote they did. The House went blue. The Senate unexpectedly is still uh, Republican. Some of the races are not finished yet. Um, It's interesting that, you know, Trump has said a few things about women. They haven't been that nice. They've been kind of nasty. In fact, he's constantly pointing out nasty women. And um, But anyway, I really don't understand how a woman could actually vote for Trump. I really, I just don't get it. Nor does Michelle Obama, who has a book coming out this week. And she also spoke about uh, her issues with uh, infertility and uh, miscarriage. And these are subjects that we don't actually talk about enough, ladies and gentlemen. And these can be such... Uh, difficult times for women, especially women who want to have a family, who expect to you know, take that traditional route of walking down the aisle, getting married, starting a family. Uh, today, though, we have egg freezing. And I spoke to somebody about that recently, a patient in my clinical practice. She was 31. She was recently engaged, and, and she's called that off because she decided that that person wasn't the right person for her. But she wants to have a family. And you know, there's a few things in women's reproductive world that has really changed uh, life for women. Uh, one of them is the oral contraceptive pill. Uh, it came out in the 60s, and then uh, the IUD has uh, the Mirena in particular, and, um, and now egg freezing. So really, women have much more control over their reproductive lives than they ever did before. But anyway, back to those women who stand up for Trump and, and vote for Trump. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't get it. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Dan Doty is the co-founder of Everyman. He has combined all of his life experiences from hunting to fishing to heavy metal concerts, mentoring men, and that all leads back to how men in our culture can show up in life in meaningful ways. He believes culturally we have created a situation for guys that really rarely allows them to be themselves. And he envisions a world where men don't have to hold back so much. 
As I said, he's the founder of Everyman, which includes retreats and a podcast to help men open up and get real. He's also the lead facilitator, facilitator of men's retreats and wilderness expeditions. He has helped seed and support 75 men's groups around the country and the world. And Dan Doty said this, the protectors have become the predators. Good evening, Dan. Good evening. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Doing great. Thank good, you. good. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I want very oh, happy to be here. Oh, thanks. I want. I saw you on the Today Show. I was sick in bed. There are some benefits to being sick in bed. You get to watch the Today Show, see Dan Doty. Anyway, delighted that you're joining me, the, the little radio show that tried. Uh, anyway, I, I had a man in my clinical practice this week, a, a patient in my clinical practice, and I could see that his tears were very close to the surface. His wife had been cheating on him, and he's trying to deal with that, and they're, they're working through all of that. And so I just picked up my box of tissues, and I brought it over to his side of the desk, and and he said, oh, no, no, you don't want to see a, a man cry. I said, yes, I do. So what is it about men? Why, why is it they're, that they're, they have a difficulty expressing their emotions? And, and how is it that men have become the predators of today's world? Well, I'm ready to answer that. But first I have to know, did he let you see him cry? Yes, I did. He did. he did. Oh, beautiful. That's wonderful. He did cry. So, yeah, I feel, I feel like one of the, I mean, it's, it's really not a, a complicated package. It's that our culture, for many historical reasons, uh, and I don't think any of them were purposefully harmful or purposefully hurtful, is that, uh, you know, men in my generation and, and really most men, um, older than older than the millennials just we haven't had any modeling we haven't had any teaching and it's just been a just simply an absent part of our lives to share what we're going through to share what we feel to share who we really are uh you know there's like a narrow band of accepted ways to be a man and that is you know and this is generalizing but oftentimes it's we need to know how to fix what's happening we need to be tough we need to be capable and most likely we need to do it all on our own. And the sad part of that is that that doesn't lead to very healthy human beings. And men in general are, we are, we're humans. We have an entire emotional life. We can't not. I mean, that's part of being a human. And so when we ignore that and when we suppress that, uh, we miss out on a lot. We miss out on um, you know, mental health, emotional wellness, but also one of the big things is we miss out on deep relationships with other people because it is the vulnerability of sharing what's true for us. It's one of the easiest ways and the quickest ways to get into a deep, meaningful relationship with someone. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but that's really the core of what uh, every man's all about. It's the core of what I'm dedicating my life to is to simply lead by example and you know i'm not a, i'm not a therapist and i never will be um but i can lead by example and just show men that if we are open and we're vulnerable and we're emotionally competent that we are we can still be all the things we want to be as men all the things that that we value all the things that we assume that cult, the culture values about us it, we don't lose that when we open up in fact sometimes we accentuate it and so you say the millennials um, are have uh, more of an ability to express emotion. Is that 
that it's never been a better time to uh, for men to express their feelings. But even Movember, uh, which has historically yeah. been about prostate cancer, has added mental health and death by suicide to um, their initiative this year. So men... As I speak... As- Oh, sorry, go, I'll no, let you finish, but I'm looking at myself, you know, in a window and seeing my reflection, and I have a big funny mustache right now. Perfect, for, for perfect. For November. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, as long as you have it, not not me. Um, but, uh, you know, men are, you know, dying by suicide at breakneck speed, really. One death is too many. Yeah. Uh, men suffer depression and anxiety. Men, you know, women you know, do these things as well and, and have anxiety and depression, but it's just a little bit different for men. It's, you know, when men don't express their emotion or feels, feel that they can't express their emotions, they may, you know, hit the bottle or hit other substances to, yeah. to numb themselves, to numb themselves out. And, you know, they miss out on life and they miss out on a, a lot of aspects of life. And how is it that every man, which is E-V-R-Y-M-A-N, correct? Yeah, um, yeah that's correct. Uh, how is it that um, you're changing lives of men through your retreats and podcasts and that type of thing? What are some of the stories you're hearing from men out there? I mean, uh, some. well, one of the biggest and most dear to my heart stories is my own father. So I'm 36, year old, 36 years old right now, and my dad is 64. And he came on his first retreat with me that I led. It was this year in April, like six months ago. And until this point in my life, um, I spent 36 years being uncomfortable around my dad, loving him. He loved me. Like we had an okay relationship, but we just weren't able to really connect. And there was a lot of tension. I had a lot of buried anger um, for many reasons throughout my life. And he came on this retreat, and through the process that we both underwent being there, uh, we ended up really like looking each other in the eye and sharing all of the, just getting it out, all of the things that we had judged each other for or not said, and all of the gunk between us um, in this group of men was able to, we got it all out, and one of the more incredible healings or changes in my in my whole life happened. And since that day or since that weekend earlier this year, my dad's literally become one of my best friends. And the the depth and the vulnerability in which we're able to speak to each other um, is so, it's just so meaningful. So he's, he's a grandpa to my two boys now. And so that's kind of one, you know, big, dramatic, close to home story. But what I'm seeing uh, on, on the regular is that men are finding out who they are and trusting themselves and, and becoming confident in who they are and what they want. One, one of the men's groups I started a couple of years ago, I lived in Montana for a while. Within six months of starting our men's group, um, five of the eight original members had stepped out and started their own business and basically followed through on the dream or the vision they'd been holding a long time. So what happens in our groups and on our retreats is First of all, we get stuff out and we get to a place where where we are okay. But then with the bonds and the support and the accountability of the men around us, we we find the courage to take the steps toward what we really want, maybe what we've been holding back on for a long time. And, and a lot of Just men suffer from anxiety, which is one of the biggest hidden, yeah. it's one of the most common uh, mental illnesses, but it's also very hidden. And that, that can come out in anger. Um, and so how... Do you think um, 
how could men be helped um, with that, with that expression of anger? And also you mentioned a little bit of built up resentment, I guess, some things that you were angry about with your own yeah. dad. So do men well, process it, that? Or? Really, yeah, absolutely. Well, in, in the most basic sense, there's not many places in our culture, in our, data, in our day-to-day lives, where it's okay to be angry, right? Generally speaking, when anger comes up, it's unsafe, it's unhelpful, it's not good. I mean, I can't think of many places in my normal life where anger's an okay thing to really let out. So in our groups and on our retreats, when we're in these places, we just simply say, hey, in this space, for this time, it's actually encouraged to feel whatever you feel. And we're actually going to make more space for you to feel more of what you actually do. So it just simply becomes a healthy outlet. So if a man, you know, steps into our group once a week or steps into a group and he's upset about something, he's encouraged to not only talk about it, but actually feel it. Let himself actually feel it. That's fantastic. We're going to end it on the feel it because I've got to go to break. It's excellent work you're doing. I really appreciate it. The website is everyman.ca. Listen to the podcast. You will learn a lot. It's time that men process their feelings and, uh, you know, lived life to to the fullest. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Thanks again so much, Dan Doty. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. If you have any questions at all, you can call me 1-877-399-9898 or you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. I have a couple of emails of yours to read a little bit later on in the program. Last week, I had a chat with Eric Chapman, who is filling in for Drex on the shift. He's a regular contributor here, Eric, Eric Chapman is. Uh, you hear him on the Linda Steele show, but he was filling in for Drex on the shift about Tony Clement, the MP who sent nude videos of himself over social media after creeping out many women on that platform with his incessant likes. He's a married father, but that didn't seem to matter when it came to his obsession with social media. Social media can be arousing and addictive for many people. Many people who have stress in their lives, many people who are unhappy in their relationships. There may have been some troubles at home. We'll never know. But based on his behavior, I feel he needs to be pitied, not scorned, and perhaps take a medical leave versus resigning. Here's the clip. Thanks so much, Tim. Tony Clement, thank you. Thank you for making my first day ever hosting a radio show easier by giving us fodder to talk about and all that good stuff. It's Tony Day. The big lead on the shift. One of the federal conservatives' most trusted and experienced members has been ejected from caucus in a sudden sex scandal. Dun, dun, dun. Here's Global's chief political correspondent, David Aiken in Ottawa, on the first full day of the Clement catastrophe. As a member of Stephen Harper's cabinet for a decade, and most recently as a member of a special parliamentary committee on national security and intelligence, Tony Clement had been briefed on some of Canada's most closely guarded secrets. Now, in a confession that has rocked Parliament Hill, Clement admitted to being blackmailed, told to pay 50,000 euros, Global News has learned, that's about 75,000 Canadian dollars, to prevent the release of some sexually explicit pictures of himself. 
Clement himself took the matter to the RCMP, then resigned from that National Security Committee and stepped down as a member of Andrew Scheer's shadow cabinet. I'm taking Tony at his word that this is, uh, that this is uh, the first time that this has happened. Um, obviously, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible lapse of, of judgment that uh, we're all disappointed in. That was Scheer first thing this morning. By lunchtime? And there have been numerous reports of, of other incidents, uh, allegations. Uh, so in that, in that respect, uh, I've asked Tony to uh, resign from caucus so that he can uh, respond to these uh, allegations. Clement, a lifelong conservative and two-time candidate for leader of his party, was out. He is one of the most active MPs on social media, with thousands of followers and follows on Instagram and Twitter. Today, some women were coming forward to say Clement who is 57 and married with three kids, had been too active with them, sending direct messages to 20-year-olds after one in the morning and giving other women unwanted attention to their personal pictures, and so on. Clement was nowhere to be seen on Parliament Hill today, but he can expect an investigation into these new allegations of inappropriate behavior towards women. As for the RCMP, they will only confirm that a blackmailing investigation is underway, but they are saying nothing about who the alleged blackmailer might be and whether Clement now represents a national security risk. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. I do respect the confidence that Tony Clement has uh, to show your junk to a random person is very brave. You must be very comfy with your manhood. I would never do it. There is, I will admit, there is a picture of me somewhere out there. I did said one once a long time ago, and every couple weeks I wake up in a sweat knowing that it's out there and possibly show up somewhere because I am in media and it would be horrible. But right now I'm joined by the lovely Maureen McGrath from the Sunday Night Hell Show, who is on the show sick, by the way, unlike Drex. Hello, Maureen. Hello, how are you? I am well. Thank you for doing this, and I appreciate you powering through. Unlike Drex, can't handle it, but you came through like a trooper, so thank you. Not at all. Well, losing your voice is an occupational hazard for radio hosts, and sexual indiscretions are an occupational hazard for politicians. That is very true. And is this a thing? Are politicians more likely to cheat than other men? Yes, they are. Really? Be, yes, because to be in politics, you need to have a very, very big ego. And these men are in highly visible, powerful roles. And they may not just be interested in their constituents or in the political role, but more so they need to be admired, they need to be affirmed, and they often need to be looked up to. Oh, so part of the sending the pictures out on Clement's part possibly is an ego thing. It is, and there can be a narcissistic element to this. But also, you know, I, I really feel really badly because we publicly shame him because it's around sex, which is such a taboo subject. Right. But when you get right down to it, there's something broken inside of him. Right. And, and this is such a stressful job being in politics. And, you know, they may have gotten the power that they had hoped for and asked for, but it comes with a giant dose of stress. And they often end up in unhealthy situations. And it's not the sex they seek, but it's the pleasure that is the antidote for the pain. Because that, when they have that pleasure, which is, the arousal, mm -hmm. there are neurotransmitters and hormones that are released. And it's, it's those high levels of dopamine and norepinephrine that are re released during this arousal phase. And that's what, that makes us happy and energetic and euphoric. And it can actually also lead to you not realizing the ill of your ways. 
and they can lose long-term political careers for and, and trade that for long-term political embarrassment. So it's, um, it's that shaming. You mentioned that shaming is not a thing. What, what can we... Is there something a man can do to curb these urges? If it's an ego thing, is it is it controllable? And if they don't know, it's they, like they have to figure out is that the the figure out the urges are there. Is there a way for them to curb it, like talking to someone or anything like that? Well, there are going to be those serial cheaters, but you know you have no idea what Tony Clement's problem is. Right? Is it the Caligula effect? Is he a sadistic, perverted megalomaniac? What's the Caligula this- effect? Oh. <laughs> Uh, those are the sadistic, perverted megalomaniacs oh, <laughs> in the okay. world. Okay. And they're people who, you know, they verge on perversion. So they're sexually perverted. And, you know, that can be a problem, obviously. They are also obsessed with their own power. Mm. Or is this sex addiction where you lose control? There's a continuation of this behavior that you know is wrong. And, and despite the adverse consequences that you might experience. Right. Or there's a preoccupation or an obsess or an obsession with a person or with like he was liking. I know that people have done that to me where they've gone to my account and they have liked 20 or 30 of my posts. And you know, a lot of women apparently complained about that. So that tells me that there's a bit of an obsessive behavior going on here. And so it tells me that it may be, and I'm not trying to diagnose him over the airwaves, Mm -hmm. but that it's an emotional disorder. And it doesn't matter how smart you are, how much money you have, how attractive you are. It's about being emotionally broken and constantly needing stimulation. But the way to fix this hmm. is to find the problem. What is the problem? The man needs help, but how do we help him? Well, we're not going to be able to help him. He's not going to be able to get help himself until he understands the reason for his behavior right because as I, I, I don't know how to help tony clement i mean if i can stop my mp from sending out nude pics i would but there's nothing really we can do other than bring it to like there's nothing really anybody can do it's all up to him isn't it well i think what we can do you know people have so many opportunities today to cheat to have these indiscretions because of social media and i think a lot of people are emotionally empty and that's why we have so many people addicted to social media. Right. So many people in our society are broken or hurting terribly on the inside. And so it's, that's really why education is critical. I have patients who have sex addiction, mm-hmm. and they spend hours and hours and hours on the chase and mere minutes on the actual sex, if it's even defined as sex. So they'll spend weeks on that, getting aroused, getting excited, chasing it, chasing it. They have children. They have spouses. They have jobs. They have you know, high power job. Mm-hmm. And it is about that sex. But ultimately, they are sad. Yeah. They are broken. Uh, oftentimes, their families are hurt tremendously. And mm-hmm. with a political figure, we, they lose trust. You know, that, yeah. that's in, you know, cheating is the is the horrific betrayal in any relationship, whether it's a personal or a professional relationship. But trust is at the cornerstone of any relationship. But the bottom line is this is likely some type of an illness that mm. he can get help for. Yeah, because you say they're, they're, he, they're chasing, they're chasing. It just reminds me of the term with uh, uh, heroin addicts. They're chasing the dragon. They're going for that first time, that first time again they want it, but they're never going to be able to get it. So there really are a lot of links between addiction and no matter the addiction, isn't there? Yeah, and that chase, that arousal yeah. actually releases those feel-good chemicals 
those pleasure bonds, those high levels of dopamine that, you know, that makes you actually feel good. Right. And so you, we love that feeling of feeling good versus the stress of the office where the constituents are calling and the, the paper's piling up and oh, there's the no end to it. Right. And, and, you know, and that stress can really be, um, you know, the trigger for this and it can just tip somebody over. But we often look back and, and see the trauma that somebody experienced in their life as a child um, or, you know, some, mm-hmm. some type of, um, you know, major issue that had occurred that they, they actually never dealt with. Um, so this is a, is a, you know, it's kind of an apocalypse of the brain. It's a way of right. looking at this. Right. When somebody does this type of a thing. Yeah. And nobody understands it. But, and even the person themselves, they don't understand it because they know, oh, my gosh, I am risking I am, everything. Yeah, yeah. and the, like, point. you have to know that, especially if you're in that position. Absolutely. Maureen, thank you so much for your time today. You are brilliant, kind, and wonderful. You're so sweet. Have a great show. Thanks. I'm it's my, to it. Oh, awesome. Thanks. It's my first time. I'm probably going to screw it up, so I'm having fun, though. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing an awesome job. Thanks, Thanks Maureen. So have a great night. Thanks. Hopefully my voice has improved from last Wednesday. Does it sound like it has, Tim? Oh, you think? Yes, definitely. Oh, good. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Am I ever going to get better? I have Spike from Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, on the line. Hello, Spike. Yeah, hi, Maureen. Um, A couple of points to maybe explain uh, Donald Trump, and I'd be interested in your comments afterwards. The first one is, look at Germany pre-World War II. It's one of the most educated, sophisticated, intelligent societies on the planet. Within about 10 years of radio and those little newsreels before the movies, they were shoveling human beings into death factories. Now look at the propaganda, news radio, the internet, the ability to, to manipulate people's minds and more or less force lies down their throat and make it believable is incredible. So that's point one. I agree with you. And point two would be, look at the fascination amongst Western males for mobster movies, Goodfellas, um, The Godfather. Ray Donovan. How how many men out there have to eat garbage every day and they fantasize about the bully or being the bully, not having to take things, yes sir, no sir, thank you ma'am. And here comes a guy who spent, he's more or less an eight-year-old bully and who's made it to the top. The effect on smaller, weaker males has got to be incredible. They, the will to power, and here's a guy that exemplifies it and has gotten away with it. So he's living out the fantasies. I would guess 30, 40% of men out there, your comments. I agree with you totally. And I think, you know, men really stand behind Donald Trump. And even men who are Democrats are now, well, give him a chance. You know, he's not that bad. You know, men have this brotherhood. I totally, totally agree with you. The only benefit I can see that Donald Trump has had on uh, America is that Saturday Night Live is a whole lot better because we can make so much fun of him. But you know what? He's the ultimate... Um, American dream. If you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth, which most people weren't, but he was, uh, you can make it to the top. And I think people think they're going to have his wealth and his riches and his experiences and they can do whatever they want, say whatever they want and get away with it. And I think uh, hopefully President Macron, he, who made a comment today about nationalism versus, versus patriotism, you know, hope that will not fall on deaf ears. 
Uh, but I think that the women rising up and voting in the midterm elections uh, is the start, and we need to persevere and carry on so that we don't end up uh, in the worst possible place. Thank you so much, Spike, for your comments. I appreciate it. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath, registered nurse in the field of sexual health. Uh, I'm an empath. (laughs) There are some people who feel more than others, and I happen to be that type of a person and that type of a clinician as well. And, And therefore, I'm asked the question a lot, does it ever bother you? Do you ever get bothered hearing all the stories of your patients, all the sad stories, the stories of betrayal, the stories of low sexual desire, the stories of uh, body image issues, the stories of having of people having been sexually abused as children. And, and I have not, um, I'm not bothered by it in part because I think I had a time in my life, in my professional career, where I experienced burnout. And so I'm, I'm going to address that in a few minutes. But compassion fatigue has been described as the cost of caring for others in emotional pain. That was described by Figley in 1982. And the service industry, so healthcare workers and paramedics, police officers, emergency hospital workers, um, you know, child protection workers as well. These are people who are helping people all the time. And it requires professionals to open their hearts and their minds to their clients and patients. And this process of empathy is what makes these people who work in this field vulnerable to being profoundly affected and even possibly damaged by their work. So compassion fatigue is that profound emotional and physical erosion that takes place when people in the service industry, and and there's a number of people like that. I mean, even waitresses, waiters, flight attendants, lawyers, when they are unable to refuel and regenerate. There's also something that was coined by a phrase coined by Perlman and Sackvitney in 1995 uh, called vicarious trauma. And that describes the profound shift in the worldview that occurs in helping professionals when they work with clients who have experienced trauma. So these people in this service industry notice that their fundamental beliefs about the world are altered and possibly damaged by being repeatedly exposed to traumatic material. And burnout, which is what happened to me at one point where I was everything to everybody, the type E personality. I thought I could make everybody happy. That wasn't true. Um, It's a term that's been used since the early 80s. It describes the physical and emotional exhaustion that workers can experience when they have low job satisfaction and feel powerless and overwhelmed at work. It doesn't mean that the, your, your view of the world has been changed or damaged or that you've lost the ability to feel compassion for other people. So that's what happened to me in part because I was bullied. I was bullied by a subordinate, if you will, and uh, the herd mentality came into effect as well. And the harder I tried, the worse it was. I eventually lost, uh, left the job, which is really the only thing that you can do. I was fortunate enough enough to be able to to leave the job. A lot of people cannot leave these jobs where they are are bullied. So at that time, I was very fortunate and I'm grateful for that experience because I'll never let that happen to me again. And I think that has provided some immunity for me from compassion fatigue. And all of the stories are interesting. And I feel that when we share stories, we empower other people as well. And I do share stories. I change uh, some of the identifying factors of the stories, but to help other people. And so I, it's, it's very rewarding work. But 
Researchers have discovered that helpers, when they are overtaxed by the nature of their work, begin to show symptoms that are very similar, similar to traumatized clients, and that can negatively affect your work and create a toxic work environment. They, the signs are difficulty concentrating, intrusive imagery, feeling discouraged about the world, feeling hopelessness, being exhausted and irritable, having high attrition rates which is um, leaving the field, and negative outcomes. So you have dispirited, cynical workers that remain in the field, and there are boundary violations. So this is something to pay attention to. Work is so important. We spend so much time in the workplaces, and it also can uh, affect your family and your relationships at home. And so you want to recognize this, and that is why self-care is so good. And, you know, your current life circumstances – your history, your coping style, your personality type all affect how compassion fatigue or burnout or vicarious trauma may affect you. So, you know, have somebody that you, a confidant that you can speak to, get some therapy if you need to, take some time off uh, because you deserve to live a great life. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.